Hi there. Oh, I missed our hi there. Has Aww. anybody else missed the famous hi there while we're on hiatus? Hi. Hiatus. Hiatus. <laughs> hey, hiatus. Well, hi, everybody. We've well, come I'll out of our what. shell. We have, but I'm I have a feeling we're going to have some new visitors here Ooh. this time, though. So, hi, everybody. My name is Gia Doxy. So great to meet you all if you are new, and it's great to be with you again if you're back with us. And my name is David Benary, and echoing Gia's sentiments, if you're new, what's up? Welcome, welcome. And if you're not new, welcome back. We love you, <laughs> and we love you if you're new, too. And we're yes. here for a second. We're still on hiatus. We're still in hibernation. We're still sleeping. But we come to you bearing wonderful, amazing things. We had the incredible dream come true to spend an hour with... Dun, da, da, da. Drum roll, please. John Lloyd Young! Uh-huh. <laughs> I love you so... Yeah. Or like in the movie, uh uh-huh. Oh my gosh. No, what? that was Hold David Neronia. I know. Hold I, love no. I love you so. Which is really fun to lip sync no. on your own. Remember the dub smash days? You can create your own dub smash with the uh, I love you so from the movie. So basically, John Lloyd Young, Tony Award winner for Jersey Boys. His Broadway debut was Jersey Boys, and he had this iconic role. He is also known for other musicals too. He was Marius in Les Miserables in LA. And he has his own concert. Um, He has been doing concerts for years. And we are here to promote his show on May 1st at... The Space. Yes, at The Space in Las Vegas. But what's different about this show is that this is John Lloyd Young by request. And it was wonderful where he had a whole time frame to have people send in their requests for this particular performance. And he gives us some fun insights at the very end of the episode, too. Listen so on. Please listen, listen all on, the way through. Listen on. Yes, and he gives us so many amazing insights into what his favorite parts of of performing in Jersey Boys were. We 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 got into um, particularly the winter section of the stage production. We talked about the movie. You're in for a treat, and we're so excited that this happened. Please welcome the one and only. John Lloyd Young. fun it's fun to have uh, all these years later to find people who discovered us you know you oh, guys yeah. are in your 20s right yes yeah. we're 25 yeah. yeah yeah so that's like you know you're the hamilton generation what, what the hell are you doing right when, when I, you're just the jersey boys well, oh we my had, god well, jersey boys is what made us want to get into theater in the first place and we both saw um the first the second national tour in 2012 we're south florida kids so that's okay. our whole thing and now we live in in the city yeah yep so we're here trying to make it and um, I, we're grinding 
I know. Wow. That's, well, I remember those years. I'm in South Florida a lot. Really? Where? There we go. I have a lot of friends in South Florida and in Boca and uh, Palm Beach and Jupiter. I'm from Boca. Oh, yeah. There yeah, Gia's from yeah. Boca and I'm, I'm from Miami. Okay. Yeah, yes, so I have, um, I have a friend who went to the St. Andrews Prep School. Yes. And yeah, and uh, another friend who's a famous songwriter, songs probably definitely before your time, um, who was actually kind of an uncle figure to Ariana Grande, because I know she's from Boca. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, wow. uh, and then Miami, I have some connections there. Um, you know, I know Adrian Arsht. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh, there you have it. Big Miami, <laughs> Miami presence, yes. right? Sure, big time. Yeah. I've 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 met her once or twice. Um she's wonderful. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. And yeah. um That's the, the, last, <laughs> the, la- the last tour I saw over there was was the second national of Jersey Boys back in twenty seventeen before at they the, uh, at the Arsh Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um one of my dad's employees. Um my dad owns a cigar shop in Bay Harbor. Um uh-huh. Yeah, one of his employees. He's got you if you need cigars. Right? Yeah, let me know. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, she got me into the to the opening night uh, cast party um, when when uh, when the show went over there, and it, you know most of that cast ended up transferring to New World Stages wow. later that year. And uh, oh, that's we, exciting. Yeah, we really connected with them. And did you get to so have, so you've been in. You know, obviously, before the pandemic, you were in touch with them in New York City, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're really, really close with uh, Aaron De Jesus. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's actually my acting coach right now. That's great. Yeah. He's really, really great. And uh, me and Gia have done scenes together, um, you know, yes. with, you know, uh, with Aaron coaching us. It's been it's it's been really, really great. Um, this show, uh, this po- doing this podcast has uh, really uh, granted us to talk the, the opportunity to talk with amazing, amazing people and make like some you. <laughs> amazing connections. Like, of course. And, you know, um, it's such an amazing honor to have you here, man. You're oh, I'm really glad, well, this is fun for, you know. It's funny because I still, all these years later, when when I was your age and even younger, I always, uh, I, I kind of knew that that the arts are difficult. So, um, I've always been a reader of like success literature, yes, those kind of books and things. So, Me too. Um, <laughs> I go on, you know, I try to get my ten thousand steps in during COVID, and so I'm listening to a success book right now. Um, just kind of refresh things and literally just a couple hours ago when I was walking they said don't ever be afraid to reach out to people who have already succeeded because most people who already have succeeded like to um, look back and talk to people who are on their way they they like to talk about what they did to succeed and um, and I, I think I definitely, well, maybe you'll find out. I, I qualify as one of those kind of guys. Can I tell you one thing I did when I was an undergrad at, uh, I went to Brown University and I was an undergrad there and I was a senior and I was about to move to New York City and, uh, or I intended to, I did summer stock first in Maine. And um, I uh, reached out to a uh, a Broadway actor who I admired from cast albums and stuff. His name was Howard McGillan. Does he ring a bell with you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I reached out to him and I talked to him for about an hour. It might have even been an assignment for us seniors. Um, and he was very gracious and talked to me and was um, actually at a kind of which you'll find and you probably will talk to people who will tell you this, but he was at kind of a low point in his career, which for a lot of actors is just like a couple months, but you feel like you'll never work again. Right. And, um, and so it was really interesting for me to talk to somebody who was a low point in his career, but by my standards had done all these Broadway shows and I listened to his cast albums and I was like, I can't believe this guy is down on himself you know, because he, he's so great and he's uh, uh, a big figure to me. And so I always remember that. And then not too long after we had our phone conversation, he was, he'd gone into uh, Phantom of the Opera on Broadway to play Phantom. And I think mm -hmm. he did it for a really long time. So, you know, you never know what's around the corner. Um, right. But I ended up being his kind of therapist for an hour. That's... You know, it was a phone call you know, we didn't have this yet. Right. Right. I know, but that, that's how we feel with some people that we've talked to as well. And well, this is obviously not the same, the same level, but we will, well, in a different way. We talked to Rick Ellis last week and we actually went over to his house, which was unbelievable. Oh, wow. We were there for three yeah, hours yeah. And, and he's bet, so modest. I bet you anything that Rick Ellis is someone who has lots of memorabilia. Oh yeah. I yeah. Mean, it was so, it was so, like, <laughs> right, right on the wall. It was the 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 sign from the August Wilson where it was like the special effects used in this show are you know uh, uh, yes. Jersey language stro Good. yeah strobe lights exactly. and, and the blankets um, and it, it, it's it's everything. so posh and organized. I have, and so I have a piece of Jersey Boys memorabilia that I have waiting for you that I that I have right here that to show you. Let's let's oh, take please? a look. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you guys are twenty five. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I took a gap year, of, I guess that's what the Brits call it, but between university and college. And so I was uh, one year older than most who, who go to New York if they don't go to conservatory first. And um, so I'm trying to, so I was probably like 21 or 22 or something. And I was doing my first equity production uh, I was in equity yet. I was an apprentice, so I was getting equity points, mm. which people were really into those things. You know, you can either someone says you're in my show, you get your equity card, or you can like gather points by being an apprentice. And right making, for th right for the EMC. There you go. Kind of, yeah, yeah, making like seventy five bucks a week or something, and reverse right. commuting from Manhattan to from Washington Heights to um, to Princeton, New Jersey, to the McCarter Theater. As oh, nice. I was getting nice. my first equity points. And I don't know if you know, but the McCarter Theater was is one of those regional theaters that won a Tony. Yeah. And so we were teching the show and, um, you know, we were in the uh, the lobby of the theater where they have they have the Tony Award under this big museum glass. And I remember 22 years old, I'd never seen one before. And it was just like, oh, a Tony, you know. I'll never forget it. It was so exciting to see one and, you know, in real life. And so I'm ah! oh, <laughs> here for you guys. Oh my gosh, Spinning. John. Oh my it's God. Action yeah. on it. Heads or tails. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, so I'll tell you that you can't take this to Safeway and buy groceries with it. Okay. So there's, 
So you, you can win a Tony, but you still have to like figure out how to get your way through life. But the, but the fact that I was like a 22 year old kid with stars in my eyes and you know, at the McCarter theater, they have photographs up on the wall or they did then of uh, actors who became famous, who played the McCarter theater at one time and like Lucille Ball, there's a picture of her when she was a chorus girl, she was at the McCarter theater. And so when you start out having a real reverence for the history of Broadway, and then you have your own token like this, something that you used to like worship at the altar of, and then you, you know, it's this one of the most exciting things that ever happened to me. And I'll, and every time I see this, I remember that first Tony that I saw at, at the McCarter Theater. So wow, so what there, a story! I just showed you mine, and I get to, and I didn't get to play with that one, you know. Right. But of course, this, yes. You know, look at it through the glass. Yeah, it's like, um, and you huh. can't take it with you, by Kaufman and Hart when Grandpa says you can't take it with you, you know. Yeah, definitely. But you know, wow. so it's that would that. Yeah, would I wonder who's gonna get this one. This one. <laughs> when I'm the grandpa that's you know passed away and uh, I don't know. No, well, not gun wood, God forbid. Well, sometimes it'll it's be... gonna happen someday. <laughs> anyway, it'll be in then, a museum. It'll be in a museum. The hopefully. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to, it's a nice thing to have in, in my house wherever I go. You know. Of course. Yeah. How's California? It's good. It's you know it's a little. Uh, on the colder side today. So I took, I took my walk earlier in the day instead of waiting until twilight after gotcha. I walked the dog. So I've got, nice. I already, I had my 10,000 or 11,000 steps already. So in the future, if we ever know any, anyone, you know, if, if we, hopefully we don't, but if we have another pandemic someday and we have to talk to some kids who didn't go through this, we'll say, you know, start walking now because now. Yeah, because yeah, you're going to notice some differences. You know, she's just sitting around for months and True months. True that. Yeah, getting the, the spread a little wow. bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's 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 crazy that it's been more than a it's been more than a year, and you know, things things are starting to look up, and you know, people are starting to we're starting to get back to some semblance of a normal. And I know you had a lot of stuff get canceled or postponed, rather. But we're really happy that you've been able to do some shows, man. And we're yes, really happy at this space. that you have this wonderful show coming up and you're here yeah. to talk to us about it. And we just want to know a little bit about what we know about you as a performer from Jersey Boys. And I, I it's so funny. I went to go see um, Rick Ellis's show, uh, My Very Own British Invasion, and at the paper mill. And I saw your picture on a wall in the production of the chosen. And oh, I, that's nice to know they have that up there. Yeah, man. I, I pointed <laughs> out, I, I went to go see it with my, I went to go see a uh, British invasion with my friend Lucas. And I was like, is that John Lloyd young in oh, a production so... of the chosen? I know and I was, it. I <laughs> there you are. And, am I, you, do I have a beard, like a beard and all this stuff? Yeah. You, you, you played, did you play Danny or Ruben? Yeah. Danny. Wow. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you guys, you know, I don't want to presume how much or how little you know about theater history, but I have a story about The Chosen that was that was exciting for me. So when I was a little kid doing theater and uh, sort of community theaters and stuff, I was always fascinated with the special effects makeup or whatever, or yeah. hair pieces, whatever. I didn't have a full beard when I did 
the chosen. But I, even if I had, um, I, that was like an Acts two thing. So I had to put right. that on. That right. on. Well, so when I was a kid, you know, a little younger than you guys, coming up in in New York doing like summer internships with Broadway productions and stuff, I had to go and do errands and everything. And there's a famous makeup artist and wig maker. His name was Bob Kelly. Ring a bell? Wait, wait yeah. A makeup I, brand, I, theatrical makeup, Bob Kelly. I've heard. I've, I know okay. the name. Yes. Yeah. So when I was a little kid, you know, I used to do like effects makeups and things because I liked theatrical makeup and movie makeup and stuff. But Bob Kelly was one of the brands that you could buy and had a lot of Bob Kelly stuff. So I remember when I was an intern for some theater production companies, I was sent on an errand to Bob Kelly's studio. And do you know what a wig block is? A wig block? No. No, I don't know what that is. A wig block is... uh, is like a form, you know, like when you see in a tailor shop, like the form, but it's just a head. And a wig block is made to be the shape of different actors' heads. So there's a whole- Okay, yeah. So that you can can build the wig on Faith Prince's head. head. Right, okay, yeah, it's the mold. Yeah, okay, right. keep them in stock. Yeah. So you walk in and on these dowels up on the wall are all these famous heads, you know, just the head shape. Uh-huh. Of Faith Prince and Nathan Lane, all these people, right? Well, I didn't see Bob Kelly himself then. He was still living then. But when I did The Chosen, I had to go in and I had to get fitted for my payas and my mm-hmm. beard. And I went in and the person was, you know, fitting me for all those things. And in a recliner, like a recliner as old as himself, was <laughs> Bob Kelly sitting there oh, observing my gosh. And I was like, you know, I was, an, I was an actor doing a play, but I wanted to be a makeup artist when I was a kid. And I was, there was, Bob Kelly was sitting there. I was almost more excited that Bob Kelly was there than like years later when I'm, you know, I'm at lunch with like Donna McEchnie or somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was a childhood obsession for me. You yes. Know? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank I you for, for joining us. No, not at all. Was it, this is what we want to hear because because like, you were like you had that child obsession just like we have like with with a bunch of other things going on and we, I think of course we were obsessed with Jersey Boys when we were younger but now that we're older like we really are students of this show so it, it's definitely a delicate balance when you when people have a podcast because people could think oh well you're just you're just a fanatic and and like like we're we were but now we're not. And it's, and it's matured. It's, into yes, and we really want to get to know special. you. Yeah. And the fact that you really did work your way up the ranks, and then your first your Broadway debut was for was for Jersey Boys is just so incredible. And we give you all of the credit and love in the world for what you did. We know it could not have been easy at the top, you know. Mm. And it's and really we we I, I listen to the cast album every day and. Mm. It's just incredible, and I and I know. So of course, with your art as well, I actually studied art history a little bit too. Um, obviously, not you did it in Spain, so you're you're, <laughs> you're you're the guy. But um, I know that you you always used to you used to go to MoMA because it wasn't too far from the August Wilson. And I went there two weeks ago, and this was like Ooh. right before we knew that we were going to be interviewing you. And I actually got this um, this bag. It still has a tag on it and everything. I if you're open, oh, I would yes, love yes. to mail it to you because um, this sure. is art has saved. My yeah, life, my, you know. My mailing address um, is on on my website. Very easy. Okay. To find on yes. The page. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll we'll definitely send, send it we'll to send you. Send it over to you. Yeah. Great. 
Because art well, saves I brought lives. A piece and... of, I brought a piece of my art also in, in you know, in anticipation of our little shindig here. <laughs> yes, please. I brought my my Jersey boy suit. I love it. <laughs> what got what got you starting to do all this? Well, oh, and also I don't for the for you guys because you're more into Jersey Boys, but there's some people who look follow my art. Yeah, um, I sign everything with a thumbprint. I did not know that. Okay, yeah. oh. so cool. So what a wonderful my, way to sign it. That's my reclamation of a what was ultimately supposed to be kind of a humiliating experience with my guest star guest starring spot on glee yeah <laughs> my thumbs off well yeah. <laughs> so for more than a decade i've reclaimed uh-huh. that my thumb and i, I love it everything with it oh my god we just we watched, just, we watched it again season one yesterday. episode three <laughs> we, love, we love glee and once once the worlds collided like when we were younger once we realized that the worlds collided glee and jersey boys john lloyd young on glee it was just like our it was the so whole world funny. exploded we exploded <laughs> <laughs> well that was you know that was not a very nice joke at my expense but you know i i took it standing up and and you know and uh and took it into another arena now I'll Damn tell right you, you did. One of my idols is Andy Warhol. And yes. mm-hmm. he actually, you might not know this, but he he couldn't succeed in fine art in New York. He was an illustrator for um, um, magazines, like selling women's clothing and shoes and stuff. So he was one of the top commercial artists in New York, but they wouldn't accept him. He actually felt really bad that Jasper Johns and like Robert Rauschenberg didn't accept him into their mm-hmm. artist club, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't until um, he got to um, L.A. and Irving Blum, who had a ga- very famous gallery on La Cienega called Ferris Gallery, gave him his first show that debuted those soup cans. And next door was a little grocery store. And the guy, the guy who owned the grocery store put a bunch of camp- real Campbell soup cans in the window and said, get the real thing for 62 cents or whatever. It was making fun of Warhol. So Warhol went over to the store and took a can, a real can of uh, Campbell's soup and like signed it for the photographer. And that went all over and he was like famous overnight as an artist, you know, cause he took the joke that was on him and turned it around. So I'm not gonna tell you how many hundreds of thousands of dollars of art I've sold over a decade, but you can imagine a decade and everything signed with my thumbs that I still have. So. <laughs> Damn right. So up exactly. yours, Ryan Murphy. Yes. <laughs> Dude, a salute. A big a salute. Exactly. That's wonderful. No one knows everything. And yeah. And with what you were saying about about reading about like successful literature too, I have very similar things. Just that's what I talk about myself. But like other things here that kind of help me out too. So that's wonderful. And um but, but going with, with Glee though, so <laughs> um did you meet your 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 music director on Glee? No, so so I was doing art openings in Boca at the no. Elaine Baker Gallery. Although the Boca Museum has pieces that of artists that Elaine Baker represents. You okay. know those those swimmer figures with the that look like they're really wet? Yeah. Bathing caps. Yes. yes. That's one of I think I forget her name. Um Helen, I think, or something that she, she's an artist is represented by this gallery. Or you know the Boca Resort? Yes. Yeah. You know how there's an art gallery in the Boca Resort? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
that's the Elaine Baker Gallery. So they oh. represented my art at one time, and I was doing an art opening, not at the resort space, but at their other, their larger gallery. And um, it turns out that the stepson of Elaine Baker, who founded the gallery, is a music producer. And so I was doing an art opening and he got to know me and my manager at that time. And he's London based, but uh, American, but you know, based in London. And he was friends with all these artists like Tracy Eamon and these famous British artists and stuff. So, you know, he knows art, but he also knows music because he was success a successful music producer. And he had collaborated with Tommy Farragher before, who just so happens to have worked on all that acapella production for Glee. That was okay. sort of, Tommy's specialty was like the warbler stuff. That's what yeah. he first got brought on to do that stuff because Adam Anders, I think that's his name, who did all the other music production was like really busy with all the other stuff. So Tommy came on and uh, Tommy and Arthur had a number one billboard hit together with um, what becomes of the broken hearted, the, the re-record of that, that, that was from the fried green tomatoes movie. Yeah. Anyway. Uh-huh. So they had worked together and, and Arthur knew that Tommy was in LA and that I was in LA and he hooked us up and we uh, did my debut album, not singing as Frankie Valley, you know, my turn. And, uh, and Tommy and I got kicked off with that album and then uh, we've worked together ever since, but it just is a coincidence that he worked on Glee and we both know all those people, you know, clearly. So I'd just shown up in Washington, DC to play, to play right. um, Wolf Trap. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. an hour off the plane and then I'm... the day canceled it. I'm so I, sorry. I, Slept in the hotel and went back to LA the next day. The next day, oh man. Mm-hmm. Well, and now we're all here talking about your your, <laughs> your new show, <laughs> which is great. And well, so, I, also, I also have to say thank you for being such an an, an advocate. I know the word advocate is, is a little overused today, but you are um, for for women and for because every woman we've, we've talked to, especially Katie O'Toole specifically, said that it, you're like, you're always so respectful of your scene partners. And for example, with the pizza scene, like you're like this is your scene, this is your time. Like you you do what you want to do, and you'll and yeah. you'll follow their they lead. They always and, felt so supported and so yeah. respected, and so you know, and they all have nothing but amazing things to say about the way you treated everyone. You know. Yeah. So well, they were great to work with and you know, and then even Renee in the movie too, like yeah. that scene, you know. Right. Um now, I mean I think we were both kind of cute in that scene. <clears throat> in Absolutely. <laughs> that's her big scene and and you know, uh sometimes you're better in a scene when you give it to the other person. Yep. And and, and I also, you know, am no dummy. I, I know that no matter what I did in the first three quarters of the show, the last quarter of the show was mine anyway. So it's, you know, <laughs> right. by standing. So I could, I could afford to do sort of a slow burn mm-hmm. and um, you know, how adolescents are kind of not fully formed yet, mm-hmm. you know, and they're a little awkward. And so that also was part of my approach to um, help Frankie in the aging mm-hmm. is to yeah. leave him sort of like, you know floating in the wind a little bit in the beginning let other people take the lead because he doesn't fully own himself yet you know and that that's uh, I think for, from an actor's perspective that's part of what youth is is you're not 
fully secure yet in who you are. Uh, so I let that, that show and it, I was happy to let other people take the, especially in that scene, she's older than him and she's taken the lead and he's not sure what to do. Right. So you got to throw it to her if you're a good actor. And then on top of that, it's nice for them to say, you know, I like to, I try to be a good person. Yeah. I'm still Sicilian on my mother's side. So <laughs> if you, say, if I'm you still with me, you know, then <laughs> I'm going to turn the screw maybe. <laughs> sometimes I have a hard time not doing that but um but if you're respectful to me I'm always going to be respectful to you always and building on what you what you just said I think because you know that whole not fully formed thing yet and then when he gets to act two when you're in winter when he sings bye bye baby it makes it so much more poignant when you start singing that verse when you're upstage it's suddenly everything gets faster and you're you're getting thrown off and because you're he's in such a state of he's in such a flux state you know he's going from woman to woman he's getting pulled i mean he's getting pulled five different ways from sunday also you know yeah. tommy tommy liked to be dramatic he's like i'm getting it's all the club owners trying to fuck you five ways from sunday but really he was getting pulled by mary he was getting pulled by francine he was getting pulled by lorraine he was still on the hook for the the, the million Perhaps, dollars yeah, exactly. and um in that neighborhood in that neighborhood <laughs> exactly so I, I, that's I, really I, my favorite stretch of writing in the show because it oh. uh because the melding of not just because it's Frankie's section, but that specific section where everything's falling apart and he's going from scene into song into scene into song is so cinematic. Um, yes. And Brechtian. And I, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that, uh, you know, you have the breakup and then you're in a song that has to do with breaking up or like the last bat- band member leaves and you turn around your own shoulder and suddenly you're in concert singing uh, stay just a little bit longer that stretch of writing and direction even the lighting everything in that stretch of the show I think is just a such a wonderful crystallization of everything else that's good about Jersey Boys but so compact and happening at once and and for an actor too um, it was really important for me to age Frankie at as the show went along because you know the real story of Frankie is that <clears throat> he became the the solo artist you know mm-hmm. uh, so he grew and he was older by the end of the show he lo- loses a daughter all those things so I I found that because of Howell and you know Howell Binkley the late Howell Binkley I can't believe it that he's I know the, the lighting designer his lights for winter were really stark. So I couldn't see it, of course, while it was happening to me, but I figured out that the stark lighting, because we didn't have time to do age makeup or any of that stuff, the stark lighting also helped to age me. And um, and some of those moments were going from a scene into a song were so beautiful, you know, clearly you just, all you had to do was turn your shoulder, the lights change and you're in a concert. Right. In your hotel room before, those microphones coming up. Oh, and the audience seeing the, the microphones coming up, even though the scene is ending, and that tingle of anticipation of knowing that you're going to see one of those 
sort of cinematic trans transitions again, that was just a really fantastically exciting part of that trajectory of, of the show for me. And, uh, and I'm, and, and for the audience too, cause you know, I've seen the show now with other people doing it, you know, several times. And it's, uh, that part is just so well-crafted. Oh, absolutely. And, and stay, let's hang on. Bye-bye baby. Like everything in life tends to happen at once. And that's why, um, well for Davida myself, that the reason why like we love this show is because the older we get, and the more stuff we go through, everything can be boiled down, particularly to that section, like with like with the blocking, with the song, with the, like everything comes together, and oh, it's just so gorgeous. That was and, also my yeah. favorite. You know that section. Oh, by the way, Joe Long passed away today. Today, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we, we posted about so it. So yeah. let's, you know, um, thank let's Joe Long for his yeah. contribution. And because I was going to mention another really fantastic part of that section that I loved was I'll be strong you know that part yeah Uh, carry on and they and Joe Long joins the group and they walk and they walk down they they dance downstage oh my god that's my favorite section to do physically it feels so cool really yeah and Sergio and I because I was not a dancer before this so Sergio and I were Sergio Trujillo and I worked for a month before anyone else started rehearsals just to get me up to speed because I was an actor and singer. The dancing stuff, I didn't know, training, whatever. So in the studio, when Sergio and I were were working, we learned a few things that I could do that were kind of cool on me, mm-hmm. you know? And those, these things and the, you know, that yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. what we invented, you know, together. Yes. And then it wow. became, you know, what all the companies do, obviously. But that was my favorite because it was built like on me with stuff that I could already do really well, you know. And um, so that there were just a lot of really cool things in that section that were a lot of fun to do. And and uh, and I liked the slow burn. Uh, we, you know, one time a critic came, or not a critic, but like some sort of journalist came. And they and it became very clear when we were working with them as a as a cast. It became very clear that they were lazy and they didn't stay for Act Two. Ah, because the way they were talking about the show, and a lot of people really loved the character of Tommy DeVito. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic theater character, uh, but they were. It was clear that they didn't know that by the end of the show, Frankie's this standalone you know solo artist and has this really exciting part and and i couldn't believe you know i was like <laughs> it's so clear oh he doesn't know that so anyway right. so anyway i was always really okay with letting everyone else take the stage and have their section because i knew that by the time it got to mine it was like a slow fuse and then the dynamite explodes and mm-hmm. everything I love doing and everything I wanted to do and all the serious actor parts of myself, the aging all the way to the end of his trajectory, the things that I had learned from like um, Anne Bogart, the, the viewpoints, which is acting a way of approaching the stage yourself mm-hmm. physically on stage. I already knew before I was working with Des and everyone else, I was like, Oh, this is cool. So I know when I get to this part, to age myself, I'll move slower and stand stiller. 
Uh-huh. You know, those wow. sort of things in that part of the show enabled me to use these techniques that I had as an actor not doing musicals before to really kind of pop the character in a way that I thought if I succeeded with it would be really unique in musical theater acting or whatever. And so um, I, I never felt like I had to prove anything the beginning of the show because I had the first three quarters of the show because I knew I had that explosive, like amazing stuff at the end. I mean, how am I going to find another part like that ever? I'm not probably. And I can live with that. It's so amazing that you came back to do it again on Broadway and then you went to the West End to do it again. I'm sure that must have been such a joy for you. Well, what you guys were just saying about as you get older, when I came back, I was five years older. Mm-hmm. So I understood the older Frankie stuff better. I understood that what it felt like to have uh, career setbacks or whatever, you know, to not have things go the way you want to go or whatever. So I'm, so the kind of bittersweet, like difficult stuff that I had to play, I understood better as a human being because I was older, I had more life under me. Mm-hmm. So in a way, maybe, you know, by the time a show is that old, like people are into the new shows. Like I think it was Book of Mormon or something. Oh yeah. 2011. Yeah. That was, I think Mm -hmm. so. So, um, you know, so the audiences were still a hit show, but I, you know, it was mostly um, my own knowledge that I had actually was doing, giving a richer performance, you know, at that point. Yeah. Well, and also with the movie, of course, that you shot in 2013, when you were mentioned just the aging and, and slowing down, I the first thing I thought of was you turn slower in Who Loves You in the movie than, of course, in On Broadway. Oh, my God. Yeah. Was, Check that so, out. Was that for film? Because, of course, it's a different way of approaching the camera. But what do you, do you think? Maybe you do the same thing there? Well, both. The other thing about that, too, is that we were doing that kind of fantasy effect of we we de-age right you actually yeah right so and that was actually a discussion clint eastwood and i had which was a cool discussion because i got to have some input into the movie and why you know i told him i said you know i've been i did this show maybe 1300 times on stage and my opinion is the reason, one of the reasons it's such a huge hit is because there's, there's no way to age the guys. So when they come back at the end, they're the guys that you rooted for when they were younger and they kind of look the same at the end. So they're timeless, right? If we end this movie with a bunch of old guys, they're not timeless. So by de-aging us, we got to end with the impression we started with and then the characters are timeless. So Wow. And that was uh, your idea? I'm no, I'm not gonna say it was the, my the, idea. The idea. Okay. Say, yeah. I, that wouldn't be smart, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so, no, it was not my idea. But okay. it was our it was discussed. But, but it was our discussion. Gotcha. Okay. okay. It it made such an impact. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really brought us exactly what you said the guys that we rooted for at the beginning he was yep. right back there and then it really what really accentuated that was seeing you guys singing sherry under the street lamp right so the curtain the- call yeah. scene yeah 
When did that... Was that always the plan to have that scene at the end? No. No? No. When was it added? There were discussions along the way and, and about that finale on Broadway. You know, Clint didn't go... He saw a, a few of the productions, but he didn't sit there and analyze them, I don't think. You know, he, he worked from the script. And so, um, you know, the original script for the movie didn't have that what I affectionately call Clint Eastwood's only Bollywood ending, you know, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have that, but Sergio and Des Makinoff's ending by being a part of it, I had done some analysis of it myself. And I think similarly, similarly to what I just said, I could tell from the inside that everyone coming back kind of in peace and reuniting, even the dead guy, you know, coming back and so letting that kind of, go and just having this exuberant number with everyone that you've gotten to know throughout the show coming back together and all being there at once is a very satisfying feeling um and so ultimately uh probably in the discussion of the of that dynamic with the show on stage that probably influenced uh what ultimately ended up happening in the movie and another thing that never happens on a film is that you you hardly ever have all the cast together at once on a film mm-hmm. and shoots on different days so that that was really special too to you know I was the only person in the movie that was that worked every day of shooting mm-hmm. but uh some people you know Christopher Walken was there for four days you know mm-hmm. that's it and and some people, like the girls, the angels or whatever, they never met Clint, or they never met uh, Christopher Walken because they didn't work that day, you know, and they or they weren't in scenes with him. So this big number that we all did was was the one and only chance for a lot of the actors to ever see any of the other people who were in the movie. Uh, and I thought, as a as a theater person, you start. Of course, I knew this about film, but when you're in the theater you're with the cast every day, the whole cast, even if someone only makes an entrance in act two, whatever, you still see them sign in, you know, whatever. So you're all together all the time. Um, I think a lot of people presume that if you're in like, for example, Greece, the movie, people probably who are not in our, our business probably just assume they're all friends and they all know each other. But, you know, if it weren't for that last number, you know, you know, we, we go together or whatever. Um, a lot of them probably weren't even on set together at this at the same time. So that to me, in terms of the personal experience of making the movie was very satisfying to, to be someone who came from Broadway and to have at least one day where you, your whole cast is there. Yeah. yeah. Well, we loved it. You're right. It was such a special thing at the end. Too. That was the best. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, I know we only have you for a few more minutes, but we really would love to talk about your your style for your concerts. Um, so okay. what? So in, what? What is your criteria of a good cabaret show or a good concert? Because you've been you're the king of concerts. Yeah. Well, um, first of all, it, and I I kind of learned this indirectly from Frank Sinatra. If he didn't. No matter how, you know, because in his day, a good song, everyone would cover it. All the major artists would uh-huh. cover a good song. And uh, they'd all have their version. 
it wasn't until Frankie Valley and that era that people had like, this is my song and no one would touch each other's songs. Sort of an ownership kind of thing happened in the business, you know, it didn't exist before. Um, so Sinatra there, I, at one point, I think me, when he was with Mia Farrow, there was a song and I don't remember wh- which song it was, but one of those classics that everyone was covering. And she said, you should sing this song. And he said, I, if I can't feel the song, I can't sing it. And so for me, um, the song has to be exciting for me. If it's not exciting for me. It won't be exciting for the audience. Um, or, you know what, actually, I've been doing this long enough that now they would never know. But I don't, but if I, you know, I'm like that baby, I'm like that baby that, you know, doesn't like broccoli. You, you can, you can bring the spoon up to my face, but I'll be like, you know, yeah. so I'm like that with songs. So I have to really want to sing the song and really love the song either melodically. Usually it's melodically. And then lyrically, like some of the songs that I put in my sets, you know, several years ago when I started doing these, I loved the songs forever, but really had never known the lyrics because I, I'm musical first, like melodic first. So it has to be kind of thrilling or, or th- either thrilling because it's an exciting exuberant song or in a lot of cases thrilling because it is so emotional and touching. So those are my my criteria that I, you know, and then this show that I've got coming up May 1st is the first time ever. And I can't believe it. And like all these years that I've done concerts, you know, 15 years or whatever, since I've been doing this, um, that I let the audience choose the songs, the entire set list. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I ordered it in a way that would make sense. Right. All the songs in the set are, are the top vote getting songs that people, you know, people send in subject suggestions and I, I let them choose it. And that was really interesting, actually, you know, really interesting to see some Jersey boys songs, not there at all that I thought that I would get in trouble if I ever went out and didn't sing them in a concert. I probably still will, <laughs> but I, uh, I mean, even this time, but, uh, but I was, I was floored. I mean, not one person voted for Sherry couldn't believe it not one person no i thought they would wow. be me if i didn't sing that not one <laughs> person asked for that well i think that's a sign of the audience's evolution and them traveling with you on this journey and realizing that your catalog of music obviously you love frankie valley and the four seasons and all of that all those that all that amazing music from that era but they realized that you you are more than the sum of your parts, you know? We just went to go see Michael Longoria in concert at the Green Room 42. That's a great place. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love we that love it little there. space. It's awesome. And so the, yeah. his was the first concert back. Okay. Um, and, you know, he didn't sing a single Jersey Boys tune. And we weren't mad. No, we, we, we want to learn more. Yeah, he's such he's such a, he was such an amazing performer. He really sold each number. And we were like, wow. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. he does he does enough of it with the Midtown men. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you might be right that there. I mean, I've said this this before, but, you know, if you go to see Patty Lapone, she's doing a concert. She doesn't sing Don't Cry, Cry for Me, Argentina. You're going to leave and you're going to be like. 
God, I wish she had sung it, even if you loved the concert. So right. I always do Can't Take My Eyes Off You or Sherry or something, okay. you know, I pretty much always do it just because there's always that one or two or three people who came because they really want a, a piece of, of this thing of yours that they love so much. They, they want to see it live or they want to see it, you know, in real time because these live streams are in, in real time. Sure. Um, but I have, I can, I can give you a little kind of exciting heads up for this May 1st thing. Please. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell the full story in the concert. So now you guys probably know. Um, so I do a concert and I also have really popular meet and greets, but they can't be doing that during COVID. So what I've done instead is I have an after party and I do it's 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 any it's it's always something interesting and fun that's just a relaxed like let your hair down interact with the audience somehow so this after party we're gonna do uh tommy farragher and i are gonna work up song suggestions that we don't usually do think so there are some winners from those suggestions too people made suggestions of songs i usually do songs i don't usually do for the after party and so in the after party there's going to be a song that was this close to making it into Jersey Boys on stage, but never did a Frankie Valley song. And I'm going to do it in this concert for the first One time. One of the ones that got, got away. away, even yeah, though that's yeah. so funny. Right. In, the, in the program, it says the ones that got away. Now, yeah, those I, have, I have nothing a very to do interesting with story about right. that. Please. And the negotiations, but I'm not going to tell it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving it for the after party. Um, we'll and then be there. Once I debut it there, I'll probably tell it a thousand million times, you know, when I when this <laughs> song then becomes part of my repertoire. But the first time I'll ever sing this song is going to be May 1st in this after party. And I'll tell the story of what song it is and how it still a little bit exists in Jersey Boys. In the underscoring, I, perhaps? Ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny is I think... Ron Melrose told us that the ones that got away in the in the playbill have nothing to do with like show songs that were like ever going to be in the show. He was like, "Oh, these are s- songs of Frankie Valli's catalog that Bob that Bob and Frankie just wanted to put in the playbill that just like here's more, you know, the body of their work." That's and that's right. a little and known he, fact. Right. Um, and I'm sure that Ron also told you a couple of them you know, before my time with the show, when they were workshopping it at La Jolla, a, a, a few of those songs, they tried to fit into the show, but decided it didn't work. Right. Like Candy Girl, I think. Candy, well, Candy Girl's in the underscoring. Candy Girl's playing in the diner scene with Frankie yep. and Bob. Yep. Um, cool. Yeah. So a lot of, so there are, there are things that, that survived as underscoring, but yeah. That's to, true. You have to really be listening for those. You yeah. know what's so interesting about talking to you guys about this? Yes. Is like, I thought I knew this show in and out. It's been, I I actually, I've moved on. Yeah. <laughs> I've moved on. I, I don't remember everything now. You know, the See, actors you moved on, we moved in. You do the show and you don't know your lines, you know? Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. That might happen to me if they put me on stage and said, okay, go do Jersey Boys. Uh, yeah, but maybe not. I think yeah, I would. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Well, if you ever need cool. an archivist, we we got oh, you. Got back. you, man. We got okay. you, baby. I, and I'm the type of person who would want that. So 
Don't be oh, really? Oh, don't, oh, don't John, tempt us. sir, we got you. Well, <laughs> I wish we had a little more time, but basically, this, this is what this show is for. And so we got to interview Ron Melrose and Richard Hester and really, like, ask these niche, these niche questions. That's why we're here, because you've done so much press, maybe too much press, and we do want to make it, like, very, like, specific yeah, but you know, for I, you. I, I don't really think that I've talked about a lot of, that, of these kind of things with them, because the, you guys are different. You guys are a different type of interviewers. Exactly. So, um, everyone, go buy your tickets for John Lloyd Young by request live from Las Vegas. It is streaming live from the space in Las Vegas, Saturday, May 1st, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And the after party will be after 1045 p.m. Eastern, 745 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Tickets for the show are $30, and for the VIP after-party, tickets are $100. For tickets so worth it, though. Come so on. worth it. Come yes. on, guys. This well, is... it's it. I think it's $100 for both. Oh, oh $100 for both. For both. Yeah. Okay. And let me say this. That sounds like a lot of money, but that's paying a front-of-house staff that otherwise would not have a job, and, uh, and musicians and the technicians and all that stuff. So it's... Uh, I think it's a fair price. Absolutely. Uh, and if you don't think it's a fair price, well, this is what I do for, for a yes. living, guys. So it's like, you know, you know, and remember, you know, everyone in my boat got everything wiped off their schedule because we can't have live audiences or we haven't been able to for a long time. So this is, uh, you know, Tommy and me and the people here. This is, this is what we do. So if you love something look like i love bookstores independent bookstores right yes mm -hmm. there's one in 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 uh, seattle that is uh, one of my favorites in the country it's like the strand bookstore of, of seattle uh -huh. owls books and they were you know they were in deep trouble during during coronavirus i, I bought 20 baseball caps so 20 there you go. baseball there you caps go. You know, 400 dollars worth of baseball caps out of my storage facility just because they sent out an email asking for help and I'll always wear them. You know, I wear baseball caps all the time. Got yes, I see your Warner Brothers. Right yeah. now. Yeah. Yep. I'll give them away to someone. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Maybe I'll make it into like a charity thing. Or something. You Would you want to do a giveaway with us? We can do that if you want. A Powell's uh, Part, Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I just have to go into storage and get one. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll work it out. How are you gonna do it? Oh, I'm just just let's just say yes, okay. and you guys figure it out with your audience, and then okay. um, I'll put one in the mail to whoever wins. Perfect. You got it. Oh, and by the way, this part of them of the Powell's bookstore, it glows in the dark. It, come on, people. Come on. Okay, we're, we're gonna do a giveaway. In the bathroom one day, you know, just didn't turn on the light. I was just washing my hands after walking the dog, and I was like, what the hell? What? What? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, this is so and, and you know, the right people will be getting the tickets, and our audience and our listeners are definitely those people. So, for everyone, if you want to get tickets, if you haven't already, the link will be in our link tree on our Instagram, and of course, we'll post it on every Facebook comment that we can. So, and whoever gets Howell's hat has to do like social media post or whatever, and tag you guys, and tag me, and tag Powell's. Okay. Yep. That's the deal. That's the deal. Right. Yep. On your feed, please post it. And your story. That works. Works for us. 
Right, a picture of themselves wearing it, right? Exactly. Yes. A picture of yourselves yeah. wearing it, and um, we'll we'll get that sent out to you. Yeah, thanks, guys, and and um, you know, good luck in New York, and we'll let's let's in our in our next conversation talk about talk about what it is to be a young actor, and you know, hear about what you guys are going through. Oh, outside of yes, the please. pandemic which is insane <laughs> and once right. in a lifetime hopefully once in a lifetime yeah, yeah we would right, love well, that great great talking to you guys and you too, uh, nice, too. nice to reminisce and play with my Tony in front of someone who would appreciate <laughs> 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 yeah, anytime so be well and uh, and all the other colleagues of mine that you end up talking to you know send send my love to them of and course. especially in the context of what's been happening so of course all right. you got it all right. Okay, Be well, care. John. Thank you, John. Bye. 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 Bye.